right, good morning, everyone. All you brave souls that came out in the rain today. <laughs> I know it's hard to come to church sometimes when the weather's like that, but, you know, we get up for God, right? Come in as a community of believers. So welcome, welcome to Haven Church. If you guys are new, welcome for the second time. Welcome all you online viewers, the ones who didn't want to come out in the rain. We forgive you. <laughs> are you guys ready to stand up today and praise God with us? Yeah? Chris is always ready. All right, so we got to sing loud so everybody out there hears us and wants to come in and see what's going on in this place. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. <laughs> Put your hands together. Can you hear there's a new song breaking out from the children of freedom? Every race and every nation, sing it out, sing a new hallelujah, yeah. Let us sing love to the nations. Bringing hope of the grace that has freed us. Make it known and make him famous. Sing it out, sing a new hallelujah. Arise, church. Arise, let the church arise. Let love reach to the other side.
sing it out, sing a new hallelujah. Arise, let the church arise. Let love reach to the other side. Alive. Amen. you 
ages from this darkness you will lead us and forever we will say you're the lord our god the lord our god the lord our god what we trust Lord God, we just thank you for who you are as we um, talk today about uh, breaking us. God, we just pray that you'll just uh, t reach down deep into our hearts and into our minds, into our souls, and just really kind of, as we, we prayed last week, just search us and, uh, and bring about those things that draw us closer to you. And for that, we give you praise in who you are, Christ. Amen. All right, as our children are invited to go to our shoreline ministry, they can go now. But for everyone else here, go ahead and uh, you see somebody around you, greet them and tell them hi. All right, everybody, we're going to have some announcements, and Fred's going to start us off today. Hey, everybody. Um, just real quick uh, from men's group. Um, first of all, if, uh, for those of you that uh, men, uh, specifically, since it is men's group, because um, we, you know, we talk about women while we're in there. Only nice things. Only nice things. Much respect for all, for all the women. Um, but uh, for any men that have not uh, come out from men's group, uh, we, you know, we welcome you all. It's all, we meet Tuesday nights, and um, we usually uh, start kind of showing up between 6.30 and 7, but we usually start at 7 o'clock, and uh, then we sit around and kind of BS for a little while before we get kind of grooving. But anyhow, uh, we're not meeting this Tuesday, uh, but we are going to meet the following Tuesday, and uh, we'll be starting off our next session at Old South Smokehouse. Uh, which will be rib night, um, so that's a great way to start off our next session, you know, with, uh, you know, praising the God, eating some barbecue, uh, and then uh, we'll be back here again the following Tuesday, um, so uh, just anybody who wants to join us, uh, the Old South Smokehouse, not this Tuesday, following Tuesday, 7 o'clock, and bring an appetite. Thank you. Now you told the ladies where you're going to be, Fred. Now <laughs> uh, okay, welcome. I hope everybody's uh, having a good time. Um, I like the weather on Monday better than I did the rest of the week, but that's good. Um, but we are glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Um, hopefully you received a card. You can fill that out so we can get 
information. I see a lot of familiar faces, and I also see some visitors. We'd love for you to fill that out. We have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of the worship here today as, as well. Um, we definitely um, want to also welcome our online viewers from uh, Church Online. Glad you're joining us wherever you may be. And um, we just want you to relax and have a good time and connect to the Lord. That's what we're here for. Uh, let's see. Um, if you want to become a member of Haven, you can see that. And then also, um, uh, Dining for Women is planning to do a tribute to our service women. So if you have any ladies in the church that have ever been in the military or um, have a family member that, uh, a friend that has, please let them know. You can see the information. They want to go ahead and connect with that. And I was, I was thrilled. I got to see on Facebook last night, Aaron May returned home. So we're thrilled about that. Uh, I, know, I know we're very, very happy that she's back. And I, we're probably uh, way down the list of how happy she and the family are that they're back. Um, we'll talk about uh, a little bit more um, before the message today about the National Day of Prayer. It is this Thursday. Uh, and so you can see those. Uh, World Vision, uh, a 30-hour famine, had 12 kids that participated um, and you can see uh, that they had some other stuff um, here. They raised $600, which is um, short of the, of the $1,000 goal, but is a great uh, opportunity to go ahead and do that. Confirmation class starts today. It um, will begin, and all youth who are tw um, 12, will be 12 years old this year can participate in that as well. Community Kitchen is this Friday, May 6th, and volunteers are still needed to help at the church, not here, but uh, at the church in Elkton, Elkton Presbyterian, and um, with different things there. You can see the contact information for Joanne Edwards, so we still need volunteers if you are willing to connect. And this must be the magic number. Last week um, for Compassion International, Compassion Sunday, um, we raised around $600, which will uh, enough to sponsor one child for a year and another one for three months. So that's pretty awesome. So we're thankful to that. And if you want to sponsor a child yourself, you can see the information that is there as well. And also the Paris Foundation will be the 15th, and um, you can connect to the information there and I'm sure um, be part of all those things. Okay? Um, we, for some reason, I guess people were praying the search me prayer and are afraid to put down a prayer request today. But there are, actually, there are no prayer requests in the back that we do have. We do want to lift up um, uh, a joy. Um, our mom went to her, uh, her follow-up. Um, on uh, Tuesday, was it? And everything seems to be really good, the best it could be. So we're thankful to um, God for her continued healing and people being with her. Yes? <coughs> yeah, Mike Elliott had um, surgery. He had a valve replacement, and then they also put in a pacemaker. So he had two surgeries while he was in. Um, I got to speak with him in the last week, and he was very thankful for the continued prayers and asked that we continue those as well. All right? Um, okay. Um, what is that for the prayer thing? Okay. So what I'm going to ask now is that we go to the Lord in prayer right now uh, in a second. And, um, but first I have <laughs> caught you. Okay. I see what Andy's doing. I'm sorry. Um, we have an announcement. I'm going to go ahead and ask um, some people to come up. They're going to talk a little bit about Christmas. And come on up. All right? And I'm going to bring your gang with you. Um, thank you, Andy. Andy's keeping me faithful. I just talked to him about that. It was great. You guys all followed and put back up. You just had narcolepsy for a second. There you go. All right. All right. So they're going to share something about Christmas for us. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Tyler Slayman. This is Neil Domet. Ronnie Musa. All right. So I want to talk to you guys briefly about Chrysalis. So Chrysalis is a non-denominational, world, worldwide Christian organization 
that uses retreats, gatherings, and small groups to help youth grow in their Christian faith. So basically, what we are is a community of believers who are trying to sh spread the word of God to those around, around us and to the youth who are the next generation. So the experience begins with a three-day retreat, but continues well beyond those three days. The objective of Chrysalis is to inspire, challenge, and equip members of the local church for Christian action in their homes, churches, communities, schools, and workplaces. So Delmarva Chrysalis is the local Chrysalis community. And uh, we serve from northern Delaware to northeastern parts of Maryland. So anyone all around here are invited to attend any our weekends. So those, so the age range for Chrysalis is second semester ninth graders to college freshmen. And um, I want to speak. I just want to uh, say briefly about what the uh, structure of the weekends are. So the first day is about dying with Christ. It's about faith. And then the second day is about rising with Christ, which is hope. And on the, second day, on the third day is love, and which is flying with Christ, which is our slogan, fly with Christ. And uh, Neil, do you want to say a few words? He, he served last week, uh, last weekend, on, on a Christmas weekend as uh, a speaker. Yep, sure. All right, so I was on the last flight, Flight 52, for the boys. And um, it's really cool just watching the kids just, you know, like he said, die with Christ, rise with Christ, and fly with Christ. It's just an amazing experience. You can just see it in their eyes. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, do you want to say anything about your <laughs> Sure, why not? All right, so I was on Flight 52 for the girls' weekend, and that was the last girls' weekend, correct? Yeah, it was. And um, it's crazy how we have matching shirts over here. But um, <laughs> the problem with Chrysalis is I, I can't say as much as I want to, because it would be spoiling everything. But I will say that my weekend was definitely a chance for rebirth in my faith with Christ. And it is one of the best experiences that I've ever had, and I would definitely recommend it. All right, so thank you guys very much. I'll be in the back um, after, after service. If you guys have any questions or want any further information, all right, no, thank you very much. How many, how many did you have young men last week? 18, 18 young men went on that weekend. And um, I, in, my, in my younger days, um, I served on five Christmas weekends in a row. Five girls and one boy, so it was actually six. So, um, so I, uh, it's, a, it's a great ministry and a great way to connect people um, at a young age to Christ. So if anybody is interested in that, please, by all means, connect. And we'll make sure you, you connect to the right people and, uh, and get there. So thank you guys for sharing. All right. Um, so now I'm going to ask that we go to prayer really this time, I promise. So let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we are in awe of who you are and just what you mean for our lives. Um, God, I, I'm just thinking about the last song, that we, can't, uh, we won't move without you. And, and God, I pray that it's our, our prayer that every step that we take in life will be geared and focused in your direction and your guidance for our lives. So God, as we, um, as we now reach to this time where we give you honor through your tithe and our offerings, I just ask that 
during this time, you'll have us to stop and, and think about how amazing you are and what a, what a mighty God you are. And just how you, you bless us in so many ways, even though we don't often take time to, to just stop and, and see it. You're so good to us. And so, God, um, although we have struggles and trials, we know, we know that you're, you're, you're just an awesome God. And as we've been praying, many of us this past week, search me. Search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. We're not too happy when those offensive ways come up, but, but God, we, we as a church universal have failed to be the, the hands and feet, the people that minister into this world in the name of Christ in the way we should. So God, I, I ask for forgiveness for us not doing that, but I also ask that you will find us, give us the strength to be even more faithful. And as we continue in this time, and whether we're online or we're here, that God, as we now take time to give to you out of, out of the many blessings that we have, may you multiply them, use them to further the ministry here, but ultimately around the world, that many people can just come to know you, not in a superficial way, not in a, uh, okay, yeah, I'm a Christian, check off a box way, but, but that we can go ahead and live out what you called us to do, and that's to make disciples of all nations. So God, do your thing. Bring your Holy Spirit. Be strong and mighty in our very weak lives and the ways that we need you so well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lay down your burden 
In 1952, a bill was passed. The President of the United States is to set aside an appropriate day other than Sunday as a day of prayer for the United States. Each President since that time has chosen a day of his choice. President Eisenhower came to the conclusion that unless it was a permanent date that people could look forward to from one year to the next, he doubted that it would be significantly observed. Well, chairing a prayer movement is not easy. You know, there is such hostility to anything having to do with the Christian faith today. Showing reverence for God and uh, even mentioning prayer. People become very angry over that. And there are organizations whose sole purpose is to challenge the constitutionality of public prayer. And the National Day of Prayer has been sued several times already. Can you imagine that? Uh, there have been days of prayer in this nation since before its foundation. 
As we look around at our world in turmoil, I want to urge you to join millions across the country in setting aside the first Thursday of May as a special day of prayer. You know, our country is in a mess. Uh, our world is upside down. We just look at all the crises that are unfolding around us. But you see, the Lord Jesus told this is coming. Uh, the greatest thing that we can do is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this nation. I wish I could sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and tell you how much we need your partnership to keep this legacy of prayer going in our nation. I'll tell you one of the biggest surprises of my presidency is the power of prayer to bring comfort and strength. I'm grateful to the millions who pray for us. You know, my father once said, without God there is no virtue because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God, there is a coarsening of the society. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. If we will simply humble ourselves and pray, confess our sins, and turn from our wicked ways, God promises to hear from heaven and heal our land. Prayer is the hope of America. Will you join us in prayer? It's my heart's desire that what has gone before will just be a platform on which greater things will be built to bring about a spiritual awakening in our land. Well, the prayer ministry team invites every one of you to come this Thursday at 6 o'clock right here to join together in prayer to the throne room of God, asking God to come back into our families, into our churches, into our organizations, into our schools, into our government. It's a great opportunity for us all to just join together and pray to our Lord in heaven. And we just hope that every one of you will take the opportunity to come here Thursday night for a little while to join us in prayer. Debbie, are you here? Where are you? Oh, you're lost. <laughs> now you're found. Uh, would you please stand and join us in prayer? Join hands. give grace to the humble. 
So I ask you, God, to do a deep work in my heart and break me. Break me of my pride. Break me of my selfishness. Break me of anything that keeps me from knowing you. As hard as it is to ask God, do whatever it takes to break me. How you doing? Good. Lots of stuff going on. That's it's great, great uh, to to be here and to um, be be with us. I'm glad everybody's with us today. We are in our week two of our series called Precarious, and what we are doing is um, we are having three weeks. Last week was Search Me. Um, just real quick, how many made a commitment to pray that prayer last week? Anybody? How you feeling about that sermon last week? Is that where everybody went and the rest of the people went? They don't want to come for this one. Um, it's interesting when you start to pray that, am I right? Did, did some things come up to the surface when you start to do that? It's, it's a really interesting thing that happens. So last week, um, we kind of talked a little bit about these. What we are doing, we're dealing with prayers that aren't easy, nice prayers. They don't make us feel happy about ourselves. They're not so, say, like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food or... Um, you know, all that kind of stuff that we have. Uh, it's not those kind of nice ones. So we got to use precaution in a good way when we get in here. And I actually said that um, these could be some launch pad messages um, and prayers for you, something that may just change the way you outlook in your faith um, as you go through this. And I remember in my life, there's several sermons that when I heard them, they just kind of kind of changed the direction of, of what I was thinking or doing. So as I said last week, we, we were on Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. How many like that anxious thoughts? How many like that offensive way in me? That's the bad one, right? And lead me in the way everlasting. And we did that. Next week, we're going to pray one that it seems a little bit better, but it has a lot to it. God, um, send me and use me. Send and use me. And so um, no more saying, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, not what you want to do for me, but God, I want to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to answer that call. And today, welcome, 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 whether you're here or watching online, you tuned in at the perfect time, we are going to deal with the most difficult one of the series, which I believe is most difficult, and the most precarious. And up front, I'm going to tell you, you are not going to, many of you are not going to like this prayer. Okay, many of you are not going to like it, and many of you will refuse to pray it. Uh... And just say, no, Jack, I don't care what you're saying. I'm going to get it done, and then I'm going to block it out of my mind because I don't want to go there. And it's not common. It doesn't feel good. It's not consistent with the, the Christianity of uh, I'll smile and look at you and tell you you're all good and everything's better and pat you on the back and go, have a great day with Jesus. And it's not going to be one of those. Not going to be one of those at all. It does have the potential, though, to open up your heart in a way to God that can change your life forever. And the prayer that we're going to deal with today is one that I mentioned already, is God, break me. Break me, God. Okay? Um, a pastor friend of mine, right when I was getting ready to leave the United Methodist Church, I met with him. He was uh, an, uh, an elder pastor, excuse me, close to retirement age. And he was just somebody I looked to as a mentor. And I had met with him in lunch in Lower Delaware, before, and just sharing with him about what I was going to do. He had received a calling in his, fifth, in his late 50s or so, and started a really, really awesome church. 
Before that, he, has a, um, he was a, a pig farmer. Before that, and his, um, his, uh, he said there's not much difference in that and being a pastor uh, at times. Um, but I didn't do that sermon. You just bad not. Okay. Um, but in, in the midst of, of that, he has a great book that he wrote after he retired called From the Pig Pen to the Pulpit. Um, and Bill's a, uh, just an, Bill Sammons is just an awesome guy and um, became a, a good mentor in my life and still, um, still get a chance to reach out to him every once in a while to talk to him. But we began, when I was getting ready to leave United Methodist Church and I was in Lewis, Delaware, I, I met with him for lunch, thanking him for kind of being a, a sounding board for me. And we sat there, and I shared some things, and he gave me that look like only mentors can do, and looked at me across the table, and some of my stuff I told him, how I was going to do it, what I was going to do, and, and that I, I knew that this group was going to support, and blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me, and he said two things in that, um, that luncheon that really kind of leapt out at me and stuck with me. And one of those was, Jack, your faith and trust needs to be in Christ, not a denomination. I said, okay, I'm good with that, I think. And, and he said, he, said um, he even questioned me on that and said, get, and I started saying, well, I got young kids, I got to do this. And he said, they're not your kids, they're God's kids. And he kept pushing me in that way. And the next thing he told me was something I kind of put in the back, but it eventually developed a lot more and popped to the forefront when he said this, and Jack, God will break you. And I said, what were you saying before about that last one? Because we don't like to hear that. Uh, you, know, it, you know, I kind of heard it like this. I must break you. You know, remember Rocky? You know, Rocky Boy, I must break you. That's kind of what I heard. And, I, and we don't like that a lot in life, being broken or having anything. But one of the things was there different areas in my step in ministry I've always asked, is this the breaking point? Is this where I'm broken? Is this where I'm broken? And I heard someone once say, you'll know you're broken when you're broken. You'll know you're broken when you're, going, when you're broken. So today, we're all going to be in this miserable place together that will help God bring us closer, where we're going to pray, God, break me. And at the time when I heard that him say, God will break you, I had no clue, no clue about how closer it would lead me to God in the brokenness that I would experience in ministry and life. Now, as I said, it's a very dangerous prayer. And not all of you will do it. You don't have to, but I want you to consider giving God permission to just really dig into your heart in a way that he, he never has by praying, God, break me. So here we go. Um, and I, I just, one of the things that God tends to do is really mess with me. Um, anybody have God, does God approach you by messing with you, anybody? He messes with me all the time. And particularly on the sermon title, he decides to mess with me. So this week, um, Jacob was headed to, the, uh, to um, a restaurant, and he gives me a call, and he says, hey, I got a flat tire. I said, okay, um, no problem, you know, because God had done that searching thing and knows that sometimes I get a little frustrated, a little angry, a little, you know, this kind of stuff. He didn't know where the jack was, and I was glad he gave me a call. So I got in the car, I went over there, and I started to help doing it. It was right on the side of the highway, so that's always fun to change um, tires on the side of the highway. And I'm sitting there, his friend comes back. So I get the jack, I jack up his tire, I get it on, and I go ahead, and when I put it on, I tighten the lug nuts. Everything looks really good, and I even followed him to the restaurant to make sure everything was good. The next day, he says to me, Dad, I think that my, it's, it feels like my car is vibrating a little bit. So immediately, Dad is saying, you're lying to me. What did you hit? You know, that's what I'm thinking, right? Parents, right? 
Okay, so he says, I, I promise, I didn't hit anything. I didn't hit nothing. I said, are you sure? You're not lying to me. Don't lie to me, because you know I hate lying. This was like, yeah, 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 we know that, Dad. Okay, so we get here. So I go, I, he's at the Little League field. He says, I said, give me your keys. So I go ahead, I jump in his car, and I decide to ride from Rising Sun up a little bit. And I get to where the, I, I decide to put the side view mirror down and look at the spare tire that I placed on there last night. And I see it going like this. I'm like, this is not good, okay? So I pull over into where the fire hall is, and I want to show you what the tire looked like. Yeah. It was rusted, and as it was going down the road, it was loosening, and when I went to tighten up lug nut, it snapped right off. Could have been worse, couldn't it? So guess what? I called a friend who, came, who, who has a tow truck, came and towed it, put it in, and it was a lot better than I thought. But Jacob's like, oh, Dad, it's going to cost money. I said, it's okay. See, because God had done that search thing before, right? And I said, it's okay. We'll cover it. It's only money. You're okay. Yada, yada. Right? Good dad moment, correct? Now, the problem for Rising Sun was this week as well. And so they had got some pictures at the high school, and then they decided to get pictures where everybody does around this area at the covered bridge. Okay, so here's Jack at the covered bridge. I've had a good week because God did a lot of searching in me, right? And so, um, and I worked on that week before. So here I come, I pull in, everybody pulls in that little area where you have all the parking spots, and Jack pulls in. And when I pull in, I hear this, I don't think that's a good sound. So I pull in, and as I pulled in, I want to show you what happened. Go ahead. See that little thing right down there? Now, Andy, click the next one, and we'll show you what happened. A broken-off sign that I decided to run right over with my tire. I said, God, I didn't mean you would break me financially this week, but enough is enough. Okay, so meanwhile... Fortunately, a couple of their friends, um, buddies were there, and we acted like we were a pit crew, and everything was trying to, you know, get all, all done. I'm laying there, and then I'm working. So I get it to buy a new tire again this week. So it's been tire week where God is trying to break me, and meanwhile, I'm furious in here, and God says, remember that search and stuff, Jack? Here we go. I'm going to break you to get some more of that stuff up to the service. I said, no, you're not. I'm going to smile. Smiled through it. So I called the place. Hey, you got a tire for me? Yeah, yeah. I'm just smiling. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm not happy. You with me? Because that's a broken off sign. It's got to be somebody's fault, right? All right. God has a way of taking us at times to a point where we think everything's good. You know, good dad moment. Hey, yeah, yeah. And then in my mind is, if you didn't have to take those dumb pictures, I wouldn't go. You're, you know, you're going through this summer stuff as parents. And I'm like, wait a second. Stop, stop. God keep searching, but ultimately there's some stuff that he has to break in me. And so in order to talk about brokenness today, I want to talk about two stories, and they're really cool. If you brought your Bible with you, you don't have to turn many places. It's uh, Mark chapter 14, and Mark chapter 14. And the first one we're going to talk about um, is a great story that deals with a prostitute. Did you expect that today? Here you go. Welcome to Haven Church, all right? And the first story is going to deal with a prostitute. Now, I would like to say that many people don't want to be a prostitute now. But back then in the first century, it was a billion times worse being this sinful woman. And 
basically, it, nobody ever said, you know, hey, it's a job. I think, I think I'll good. I'll set aside some for pension. You know, hey, I go ahead. I have it. I will be the best one in the area. No, no, no. It's not something that people enjoy. As a matter of fact, if you were a prostitute, it was because life dealt you really bad cards. And you ha- it was the only thing that you could possibly do. They were hated. They were despised. And they were, their lives were consisted full of shame. Who knows what could have led this woman to this time? Because women at this time were deemed property. And if they weren't taking, if, they, if there was something that happened, maybe she was a single mom and had to figure something out because as a woman, nobody wanted her if she had already been married and already had this and nobody took care of her. She would have just died or her, would have been her kid. Maybe she was abused by men her entire life and knew nothing else. And so she just figured, well, at least I'll go ahead and make a living at it. Whatever it was, she was hated by every woman and used by many men, and her life consisted full of shame. She was a broken woman. Not only a sinful woman, but a completely broken woman. But one day, all that changed. We don't know how it fully changed, but we do know that something happened when she had an encounter with Jesus. And probably what I believe happened is she was probably shown honor that she never thought she had. She was probably shown a respect and a dignity and treated appropriately for the first time maybe in her entire life. And whatever happened, it completely transformed this sinful woman, this broken woman. And she wanted to worship him in the most sacrificial way that she could imagine. And she gave an extravagant bit of worship. So if we go here to Mark chapter 14, verse 3. It says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, stop there. Now, Simon is not still a leper. This is also somebody who probably came in contact with Jesus because lepers you didn't connect with because they were unclean. If you are a leper in the society, you have to walk. If you're anywhere near, you have to yell, unclean, unclean. You want to try that this week? Just see the reaction you get. If you leave here, and many of you will go to Church Point 2 at Walmart, when you go ahead and do that, you will leave here, and you will go ahead, and I dare you, I double dog dare you, to go ahead and yell unclean in an aisle and see the reaction you get from people. They will run from you. Okay? So imagine your entire life because of what you have going on. You have to say, unclean, unclean. Imagine if somebody comes to sit down next to you, and they come down here, unclean, unclean, unclean. Joe's going to move. Right? Maybe I'll try that one week. Maybe I'll have somebody come in. So if you yell unclean, you're going to naturally like say something's wrong with this person. And by the society, you would know that something was very much wrong with them. So you're not going to sit down and eat with them. But what ended up happening is Jesus healed this person. He was Simon who was the leper until he had an encounter with Jesus. He's now clean. So here you go. He's at the house of Simon the leper. And um, so basically... And then we see right here, you have this other section where it says he was reclining at the table. It wasn't a normal table like we have. It was a Sabbath table where you'd lay, you'd lay down and recline and eat, just kind of sit by the table and hang out, a little short table. And so then you have Jesus, who's a rabbi. You got Simon, who's a leper. And then all of a sudden, you have a woman who is the sinful woman. It says right here, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made from pure nard she broke and poured on her head. Now, we know she's a sinful woman. So here you go. You have the beginnings of a great joke. A rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute walk into a bar. All right, here's what you have. 
And what happens? They're sitting there. So it's a crazy scene. Here you have a guy who was a leper. He's got a house. He says, come on in. You have this great rabbi teacher that people love, want to be healed with. And now all of a sudden, as you're sitting there, here comes in this prostitute. She takes a jar of perfume, breaks it, and dumps it on Jesus' head. Not like any meal I've ever had in my life. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Now think about this. She comes in with this very expensive perfume. Let me explain this perfume to you. It's very, very valuable. It was a year's worth of wages. Now imagine what you make in a year. And imagine you just take it and just throw it out there. Why was it so valuable? Number one, because it was incredibly rare and difficult to come by. Also, ordinary women did not wear this perfume. The other thing that it was... This perfume was a calling card. You with me? It smelled big time. So you would be walking along and you go, oh, open for business. That's what it was. That's how she made her money. And so, okay, you knew by the way somebody smelled. Go ahead, smell the person. No, I'm just joking. Don't smell the person next to you. Right? But have you ever been someplace, like I can't stand those like counters that you walk in to a store, and it just hit, hits you. And, and that store, I'm sorry if you love it, that store Lush. Anybody, anybody been in there? I stood out in the freezing cold in Chicago rather than go in that store because I'm like, I can't breathe. But that's what you would smell. So they smelled the woman coming in. And then she takes it and dumps that prostitute perfume all over Jesus. Now imagine if you had some famous people Invited over to your house. Let's pretend, I, just, I think one of the best actors in Hollywood is Leonardo DiCaprio. And I'd love to just hang out with Leo just for a second and say, you're awesome. Tell me about it. Um, him. And let's say you also have the Pope that comes over. Because, you know, this Pope, he's, he's cool Pope, right? Real cool Pope. He'll come over. He'll hang out. He's known by the whole Catholic Church as the guy. And so you have, here you have, you have Leo hanging out at your house along with the Pope. And then some prostitute walks in and dumps perfume on him that smells like you're on the street. On the Pope. What are you thinking at this moment? It's a crazy, crazy scene. And listen to what happens here. She took this, and what, is she, what does the scripture say she did? She took an alabaster jar, and she did what? She broke it and did what? Poured it. She did what? She broke and poured. Everybody say broke. broke. Say pour. Broke. Pour. Broke. Pour. Pour. I uh, gotcha. Okay, but she did it. She broke it open and poured it out on him. And what happened was in verse, uh, the next verse we see in verse 4, some of those presents were, were indignant to one another. And they said, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her. Now, I have heard many a pastor say, and the woman took this, and, and these bad people were, and we have Judas saying it, and some other, they took this, and they said, woman, how dare you? We could have given that to the poor, and you know, you really can't. I would have been doing the same thing. If that's a year's wages, I would have been like, woman, you are crazy. Cray-cray, you're real crazy. I'll give you two of them. Take that. We could go ahead, just think what we could do. We could do this. We could do that. Wouldn't you think about that? How many, how many would you would be like, oh, is that nice? She just wasted a year's wages with her hookah perfume, right? How many would say that? 
most of us would go ahead and say, woman, you are crazy. Not only do you have this reputation, but more importantly, you've just dumped that smelly stuff on a rabbi in my house, with, with a house with a leper who was a leper, and now we could have used that money to reach so many people. That's too valuable. But I want to tell you the significance, because Jesus says, y'all shut up. He's smelling and stinking. He said, y'all be quiet. Because he saw the significance of what she did. And what did she do? She did something extremely important. She gave a gift. And her gift represented a couple things. Her gift represented her past. That's the first thing I have for you. She's in a sense saying, Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking my past and I'm dumping it out. I'm broken, you know that. But my path that has held me there, I'm breaking it and giving it to you. I'm getting rid of my past. And I dare say there's some people here, some people watching, that you have a past that just stinks worse than that perfume. And you're holding on to it. And you're holding on to it. Where the first thing you got to do is just break it and say, I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my past. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm leaving that sinful life. I'm giving you this valuable thing that I have that is a result of my past, and I'm leaving it behind. I'm going to break it, and I'm going to pour it. Because, you know, if I broke this open and poured it all over the ground, I can't drink from it anymore. And guess what? She can't use that anymore. The stench stays around for a while, but she's saying, I'm, I'm leaving it. So that's the first thing. The second thing she does is her gifts is represented of her future, of her future. This was not, remember what I said, this was a calling card. This was also what got her business in the future. She bought it from her past, but it, it was an investment that enabled her to put it on and say, I'm open for business now. So in an encounter with Christ, what she says to him is, I'm dumping out my past, but more importantly, I'm trusting in you for my future. When we are broken, we hold on to our past, and we can't get to our future with Christ. This woman at this point is willing to say, I'm giving up my sinful life. Here's my past. And then in the next part, she's saying, my future income, my future hope, my future direction, I'm going to break it out, and I'm going to pour it on you, and I'm going to trust you because I'm going to give you the most extravagant part of worship I have, that I'm going to give you everything that I own. In my life, I am going to give you absolutely all of me, the good, the bad, the ugly. In other words, she said, as I'm breaking this alabaster jar, I want you to break me. I want you to break me. Isn't that an incredible story? Now we see what she did. Again, Jack's going to be sitting there saying, woman, you're crazy. That could be used for this. But Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body. See, Jesus understood. She was trusting him, letting go of her past and trusting him for his future. How many of us could do that as well? Now I want you to go to story number two. Story number two is one that's very familiar. It starts in Mark chapter 22. I told you you didn't have to go very far. And it's what we call the Last Supper. And as they were sitting and eating, 
Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then what did he do? Then he did what? Broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup of wine and he gave it, gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms a new covenant to all people. And then what did he do? It is what? Poured out as a sacrifice for many. In the same chapter, we have a woman who is a, a, a sinful, bad woman who's had this history who breaks and pours out her life. And then just at the end of the thing, Jesus says, this is me broken and pouring myself out for all of you and for many. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. In communion, my body broken for you, my blood poured out for you. The woman, broken jar, perfume poured out because I'm giving everything I have, broken and poured. Now, Luke, it's very interesting. Luke can, uh, gives us some, a little bit more in this story. When you read Mark, Mark is like a little kid, and he just kind of immediately, immediately, and he's, he's, he's kind of really excited about stuff. But when we get to this point, we come to Luke chapter 22, verse 17, and it says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. He said, take this and divide it among you. Or break it among you, and he tells them, I will not drink again until uh, the fruit of the vine. Then he said, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to him. This is my body. In the same way, after the supper was over, and listen to what he says here. He says in verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Then what is he saying? Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. What does do this mean? What does do this mean? Now, for many of us, we say something as we're going to do today, that we take this, this communion area and we take bread and, and wine or grape juice and we go ahead and we do this as we break it in remembrance of him to celebrate and remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But many scholars, and I'm going to believe with them as well, means it's more than that. It's more than just partaking of this Lord's Supper thing, this communion that we have. I believe, yes, it's celebrate and remember, but I believe he wants us to be broken and poured out as he was. Do this. You know, it's easy to go ahead and take a piece of bread and dip it in and chuck it down your mouth and move on in life. It's a lot harder to be broken and poured out for Christ. It's a lot harder. You think it was hard for that woman to take what she had? What she trusted in, for her, what, what reminded her of her past, but also sustained her for her future? Do you think it was easy for her to break it and pour it out on Jesus? The Apostle Paul even added to this when he said, I am poured out like a drink offering. Everything I have is for God's glory. I'm poured out. The first time we hear from a drink offering is from Jacob in the Old Testament. When he wrestles with God, and then all of a sudden, God kicks his butt, and then he has him in an area, and God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means he wrestles with God, and man is overcome, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life, and it says after that, Jacob gave a drink offering. In other words, he was poured out for them. He poured himself out. I started thinking about people and being poured out and brokenness, and in my life, being surrounded by others, and I remember a time in um, the the mid to late 90s, 
where I was going through a lot of stuff with seminary, with denominational things, and other kinds of things. And I was just at a point where I was distracted, I was frustrated, I was concerned, I was lost. And there were some things that were going on that could have shifted the direction that I believe that God wanted me to go. And I remember going, and I don't even know what the sermon was about, but I remember in the middle of the sermon, not really finishing, but just standing up toward the end, middle to the end, and saying, you know, I haven't asked for a lot in my life. But what I'm saying is right now, at this moment, I need you to be the church. I need you to pray for me. I need you to stand with me without even going into what it is. I'm fine health-wise. My wife's fine, yada, yada, yada. We've been through a big turmoil with kids and pregnancies and all this kind of stuff. But that, that was part of it. But it was just everything. And at that moment, I remember in that little church on Blake Road sitting there and saying, if you're willing to stand with me, I just need you to come up. And I still remember the first person that got up was Scott Bristow. And I remember many people in the church, and it just seemed like everybody got up and surrounded me. And at that point, we changed from being a church to a fellowship. One where we begin to bear with one another in love. Not put on just things. Were there problems? Yeah, there always is. Were there in individual things? Yeah. But you know what? It was at that moment that people surrounded each other in love and knew that it was okay to be broken and yet see Christ heal. A few years ago, I was at a conference and I was wondering with myself whether God had called me out of ministry because I was broken and frustrated and done. I was just worn out and I was mentally just ready to check out. Oh, on the outward side, I could do what I needed to do, but on inwardly, I was done and I was a broken person. And it was at that conference where I was all by myself and I was leaning on ministry from years, I was leaning on the alabaster jar from years ago to get me through today and the next day. And I remember a pastor stood up and shared his own brokenness. And I remember there was prayer time and people who I never knew surrounded me. And it was at that moment, I remember writing a statement saying, I came here to this conference not knowing, but I came here wondering if I was going to stay in ministry. And when so-and-so shared and when people surrounded me, I knew that God was not done with me yet. It's about fellowship and the body together in brokenness. During those times, I cried, I broke down, and you know what? If you saw me, I looked like a big baby. But sometimes we need to be a big baby because I want to share with you something. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect to each other through our weakness. I want to share that again because I think we all need to hear that. We impress each other with our strength, but we connect through our weakness. Sometimes we see somebody with strengths and I don't like them. Like, she's just so perfect. Oh, look at him. He's just got it all together. Has no problems in the world. Oh, I can't stand them. But guess what? When they break down, we say, oh, I kind of like you now. Because I can relate to you. There was a lady. Her name was Leela. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And Layla, Layla was a rough individual. She had lived a full life. And she wasn't ashamed of sharing it. Her sister I knew really well, Lois. And Lois asked if I'd come talk to her. So I went over there and I talked to her one day. 
And Leela was could have cared less whether I had a master's in divinity or I was a pastor. She threw out everything. I had to pull out a dictionary for some of the words she was using. It was rather fascinating. Um, but she said everything she could possibly do to shock me. But I'm Jack, and I'm not shocked very easily. I was actually intrigued by this person who was so real and was trying to shove me away any way possible. Through several years after that, um, several months after that, Leela and I formed this relationship. And through that relationship, she, um, she would try me at times, and I'd try her too, but we had this great relationship. And she, we, we celebrated when her niece, uh, around the time of her niece, when she was uh, given time to be free from cancer. She, was, she had um, a remission, and um, she was just loving it. But, you know, through that time, she had come to know the Lord. She went ahead and was baptized. Um, she reconnected to her son, who her daughter, who her, her sister raised, and that they had had years of strained relationship. And as we sat there, we had a lot of laughing and a lot of things. But then I knew as, sadly, after three months, she got a diagnosis that the cancer was back. And this time it wasn't going away. And I remember sitting with Leila still. And I remember just going to her and talking to her, praying with her and crying with her, just crying. You know, I would go there. She'd say, why don't you come over for something to eat? And I wouldn't get to eat. It was a great weight loss program. I'd just bawl the whole time with her. You know, she started to ask questions about what's heaven going to be like and what's this. And she needs to know these things. And for me, I felt my friend and this person I love pulling away because God was calling her home. I sat on her bed, and she, one day, I remember telling Melissa, I got to go talk to Leila about her funeral. It's not a fun place to be when you know people that you love. And I went, and I sat there on her bed, and she just talked about her funeral and talked about what I meant to her and what she meant to me. And, and we cried like I am now. She was broken, and so was I, because I wanted God to raise her up. Broken, broken, broken. She went on to be with the Lord, and we had a celebration. And I think I've shared this before, where her son actually stood up at the funeral and thanked God for cancer because it brought not his mom back, but his sister in Christ. That's a brokenness that God made healed and whole. I found something really interesting. Because when we're broken, we cry. And there's a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. Dr. Henry Cloud, he's an author, um, he does leadership seminars, and he's a psychologist. There he is right there. Doesn't he look happy? And he writes some amazing books. But he did this. He found this. He wrote this thing. Um, he, has a, he has a blog and, and writes stuff on Facebook and other kinds of things. And he wrote this thing on tears. And I'm not a big science guy, um, but i got to tell you something that's really amazing about tears. We have different, you know, when we cry, they all look the same, Right? But for those of you who like science, there is a different molecular structure to every tear. It's the type of tears. Did you know that? It's amazing. And I'll share with you some things here. Number one, let's look at what it looks like for grief tears. That's what your tear, the molecular structure of your tears, if you're crying because you're grieving. And you know, when we, we grief because we've lost something that we were attached to, invested in, that we loved and we depended on. The message here in these tears, as he writes, is it's gone and I have to let go. These tears are doing an important work of taking the pain of letting go from our system 
These, they are helping you value whom you lost, but they're also reinforcing the power of the love, reminding you to never forget the importance of the person, but at the same time, they're making room for you to invest in others' lives, as that person may have invested in you. They're cleaning room for what, ha- what is, is continuing on. It's valuing the past and holding on to what's good from it and taking it forward into the next area. So what I want to share with you today in your grief tears, where do you need to express some loss and grief to let healing work in your heart so that you can invest in something else in the future? Not replace, but to invest in the same way. Look at this. How many like change? Here's the tears of change. Look at them. Kind of busy, aren't they? Tears of change. It's a different kind of pain. It rips us in different ways. The patterns and structures change as in our life, and you can see there's a lot of different patterns and things going on there. You know, how many of you ever remodeled a part of your house? Isn't that a loving experience? It's messy. It's dusty. It becomes loud. It becomes painful, and you don't know where things go or what place they're supposed to be in, and you feel like you can't figure out anything. At the same time, though, change stretches you to new abilities, new possibilities, new heights, It can be incredibly good, yet it can also be incredibly painful. We cannot grow without change. we got to experience growing pain. Now, here's one for you right here. Onion tears. (laughs) Onion tears. Onion tears, and the molecular structure here tells us that something's invading invading our system. That it's toxic. We need to reject it. We need to get it out. We... It doesn't make me feel good. We're not wired to have this in our system. Get it out of us. It can be like a poison to a person, a group or organization. Any experience that has a toxic effect on us is painful. We want it away. It burns. And these tears help us get that out. When God searches us and breaks us, what are those areas where we need to get the toxic area out? What toxins do you need to cry out of your life right now? And then our favorite for sure is this. Laughing tears. Have you ever just laughed so hard you're crying? Don't you just love it? Look at that. Doesn't that look peaceful? Laughter expresses positive emotional state. It's basically goodness. Your body is expressing it as it releases that energy. And you know what's interesting? The chemical that is released in these type of tears is also involved in depression. Isn't that awesome? God has geared us that way. Laughter is your body letting go. Tears are good and emotional for you. You ever thought why tears come from your eyes? Like, your nose seems like a good place. It runs anyway. Or your ear. Or maybe, well, anyway, you figured that out. You know. Why your eyes? Why your eyes? Because I believe that God geared us so that we'd have to look at somebody in the eye and we'd feel the pain that they have. And we would bear one another in that pain. And we would be able to share with them. You know when somebody's not right? When their eyes are teary? As we look here, when you cry, it's about being broken. Your pain needs to be seen and somebody who loves you and be loved by somebody. Life's life's greatest breakings are often the the launch pad for God's greatest blessings. Life's greatest blessings. Life's greatest breakings are a great place for God's greatest blessings. 
Even Simon Peter, who said, Jesus, I'll never deny you, denied him three times. He was brokenness in every ounce of him. But yet, after his brokenness, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, as we learned this week in Disciple, guess what happened? 3,000 people joined the family of God because of Simon Peter's speech, because he was broken and filled with the Holy Spirit. Those who God uses the greatest, they're often broken the most. And you know what the thing about being broken is? It's a continual process. You don't just get broken once. God keeps breaking you down. Somebody right now, as our worship team comes up, somebody right now is broken. And you need God. And I want to take you to our second story today. And we're going to lift this up where Jesus took the bread. And what did he do? He broke it. He broke it after giving thanks to God and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. After the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave it, thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, passed it around and said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, what? Poured out for you and for many. The forgiveness of sins. The Lord God, in remembrance of these your mighty acts, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again, pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts and upon us, that we may be broken and poured out for you, God. There's a couple rules to communion. If you love God, if you have people in your life that I'll tell you, one of the things that God really bothered me with this week was this one. You have people in your life that, uh, that you have kind of broken relationships with. One of the things that God started to bring to the forefront this week in this brokenness was relationships that are broken. That I would just rather push them away and be done with them, but God's saying, no, they're broken. You got to fix them. I'm like, uh-uh. as far as it depends on you, do everything you can to live at peace with one another. Brokenness. And then, you got to repent of your sin. That's part of that brokenness. Let that stuff go. Let it go. Jesus paid for all that on the cross. I'm going to ask you as you stand where you are. And as, um, as we do, we have our servers here, if you'll come forward. I'm going to serve them first. We also have gluten-free, and we'll have that up on this side if anybody wants some of that as well. What I want you to do is, um, we're going to have three stations that are here, and what I'm going to ask is just if, if you'll come from this side down through here, and this group can come down through here, and that one over there can come from the back.
down this way and around. You can also, if you need to pray, go ahead. Be broken. Pray, God, break me. Break me and let him reveal to you what he needs, needs to have happen in your life. Right? Come to the table of the Lord. It's open for you. As we break this bread, as we drink this cup, Lord, we remember how you gave your life on a brutal cross. Lord, we remember this is the way you've chosen to sing. This is the way you make all things new. This is the way chosen to save. This is the way you make all things new. Broken and beautiful. Extravagant love. Prodigal grace. Broken and beautiful, God's perfect justice, mercies and praise.
as we break this bread, as we drink this cup, Lord, we remember one more song here today. Instead, do this remembers of me, you know, just uh, now all that brokenness today, we're just going to sing this last song.
because um, we bear with each other. Um, I'm tired of the, the world getting credit for being with each other, even when they're not. I'm tired of the church not being with each other and not bearing with each other. We, got, we can't, I believe we're in a time of, of the church where God tells us that, you know, hey, put up or shut up. Either if you say you're a Christian, act like it. And that doesn't mean look all nice and wonderful and, and wear this and do that and say this and check a box there. It means be broken. Be poured out. Be there for people who, who need you, that don't look good and don't smell good. Let the prostitute come in and break the, the perfume. And then be there for her so that she has a future. Provide an area for her to get a future. Don't keep her in an area and, and just go into the system and say it can't, nothing can be changed. Go ahead and you be the hands and feet of Christ. Don't look for somebody else to do it. I believe that's where God wants us to be. A 12 men, then 120 turned into 3,000, which turned into how many disciples? Uh-huh, 8,000 or so. After that, they changed the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. We got a lot more than that, and now we just need to start. So guess what? Now that you have asked God to search you, and I put, a, I put the prayer for break you this week. Everybody's got it. Don't say you don't know where it is. It's on the bulletin. And if you lose it, you can pull it off the line. So break you. And the whole reason for that is so that God can send us and use us in this world. The disciples never do anything unless they were first searched, broken, and then sent. And that's what I, my prayer is for you. All right? So have a great and awesome week in Jesus Christ. Have a great broken week. And hopefully God's going to send me to a place that's going to fix my tires. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen.